0: Talking Travels and other stuff The salary, darling, we can't get enough Contacts and connections, you can't assist When you face the session and travel journalist When she's not on the a plane, you'll find it here The first class darling podcast loves the year um, And today on Talking Travels and other stuff I'm delighted to welcome Emily Thibault Maloney, who is the Market Development Manager for Europe for Tourism Yukon. Welcome to Talking Travels and Other Stuff with me, Sarah Darling. Hi, thank you. Thanks for having me. Ah, oh, thank you for coming. Tell us all about your amazing city, country, vast space. It's huge, isn't it, Yukon?
1: Sure, Uh, yes, absolutely, it's huge. Uh,
0: We're located in the
1: northwest corner of Canada. So um, if you picture Canada, it's divided in 10 provinces and three uh, territories in the north. And we are the northernmost, westernmost territory. So we're right beside Alaska there. And um, to give you an idea of the size, we're about the size of Spain. So it's very big and there's very little people. Uh, There's about a bit less than 40,000 people here. Um, So it makes for a very wild, very natural um, territory. Wow, is that where you were born? No, I wasn't born here. Um, I'm one of the many Yukoners who have chosen this place. I'm originally from Quebec, which is in the eastern part of Canada. So that's why you might be hearing a bit of a French accent. Although I shouldn't say that because there are French people born
0: here as well. So, um, yeah, but I've moved here about seven years ago. Okay, that's interesting because obviously it is very, very vast. They've obviously got the cultural side and they need the tourism market, which is what you do. Um, So anyway, but tell me about the wildlife. There's going to be loads of, because it's so big... Does wildlife roam about the place just freely? What have you got, your bears? Sure, yeah, there's a lot of wildlife. Um...
1: I personally live in a city in Whitehorse, the capital, so there's a bit less wildlife, although you don't have to go far away from the downtown core to find yourself in uh, on a mountain or on a trail in the woods. And then, of course, you can always um, see wildlife there. Um, There's foxes oftentimes in the city, too. But as soon as you get out of the city and like you said, it's a huge territory, Um, You can see lots of moose, bears, um, elk, um, deer, um, you know, like species of birds as well, migratory birds who come here in the summer, such as um, right now, actually in the, in the spring, we have trumpeter swans that are, you can hear from the sky. (laughs) Um, And yeah, of course, the bears are oftentimes what people are most interested in, right? Like uh, a lot of visitors come up here and they really want to check that off their list. To see a bear hopefully from the safety of their cars um, you can often see them on the roadside so you can just slow down and um, take a look at them while they're munching on berries by the road
0: (laughs) wow i cannot even imagine what i would be like the first time i saw a bear (laughs)
1: yeah of course it's it's always a bit scary and always a bit impressive too they're such beautiful animals and so powerful as well so there's a few safety uh, measures that uh, people need to be aware of never feed the bears always look at them from a distance um if you have a good lens on your camera it's better you can still take good pictures without disturbing them um and yeah that way it makes for a you know a respectful encounter
0: yeah absolutely and uh, do visitors go do you need, do you need to go to one of the national parks to see the Wildlife.
1: Yeah, we, we have a few parks, protected areas in the territory. You don't have to go to them to see
0: wildlife.
1: Honestly, there's uh, wildlife pretty much everywhere. But if you um, want to increase your odds of seeing wildlife Uh, You could always go to one of the parks and spend a few days there, Uh, maybe camp, uh, maybe uh, set yourself a a base camp and then go explore around for a few days. And for sure, that would be probably what I would recommend to something who really wants to see wildlife.
0: Did you mean mean camping in a tent?
1: (laughs) Yeah, yeah, you can. So... Um, For example, if you take Kuwani National Park, that is about two hours uh, west of Whitehorse, so it's not very far, it's a short drive, Um, you could set up camps there. Uh, There's designated campgrounds, Uh, it's very comfortable. You can set up your tent uh, on a sort of on a pad. Um, There's, you know, um, um, pit to make a campfire and oftentimes you will, you can also get a nice view on the lake or a nice view on wherever the the campground is set on the mountains. Um, And then you could go on day hikes in the area or uh, maybe even on a multi-day hike if you're into more adventurous uh, trekking (laughs) Um, or just you know relax at your campsite and go on short adventures during the day and then come back and have a nice campfire at night and um, we do have the midnight sun here in the summer so the days are very long Uh, it's almost like two days in one you know like you can go on an adventure and then you come back for dinner and then there's a whole bunch of more (laughs) light (laughs) ahead of you so it's, yeah. it's very nice that way. And then, of course, there's other parks. Um, like you said, Tombstone Territorial Park, which is closer to Dawson, so a bit further north. Also very beautiful. And then uh, Ivavik, the one that you also mentioned, this one is a little bit more remote. It's not as easy to just drive to it. You, you have to fly in. It's a very special experience. It's uh, literally one of the mo- most remote parks in North America so um, this one you are at a base camp in the uh, far north of of Yukon so basically very close to the Arctic Ocean and um, you are you can go on short hikes as well there from your base camp.
0: Right that is proper hardcore that's the specialist one. (laughs) Yeah (laughs) (laughs) and then so how I know people would come to. There's so many questions I've got. They would come, and you've got the you've got the lights, you've got the kind of midnight sun. But what's the first thing that people would think of when they thought of Yukon? What like as a tourist? Well, I think
1: one of the biggest thing, like you you mentioned, was the wildlife. I think a lot of people wish to see wildlife on their trips. Um, so that would probably be the main the main thing that people they want to see at least one bear you know (laughs) Um, but then of course uh, light is very important for us it it changes so much across the seasons Um, in the summer there's the midnight sun we have so much energy and then uh, in the fall it sort of goes back to normal a bit more. And then we know that winter is approaching and then winter, you know, the, the night is very long. And then of course we got the, the Northern Lights in the winter. So the, the Northern Lights start around, you know, September, October and go until April or May. Yes. Basically until the sun comes back and, and shines all night. So then you can't see them anymore.
0: Are you guaranteed to see them?
1: It's not guaranteed, you know, it's one of those uh, very special experiences that depend on so many factors like the weather um, and, of course, the the northern lights forecast if the sun activity is very intense there it's more likely to see them, Um, but it varies throughout throughout the winter. Um, I I think that's also what makes them special is you can't really plan for them but you can surely hope to see them and then when they do appear it makes it even more special.
0: Yeah absolutely that's just an added perk if that happens then.
1: Yeah yeah and the nice the nice thing about the Yukon too is that people don't just come for the Northern Lights of course like you said it's a nice perk but There's also so many more things to do other than the Northern Lights. Um, You know, in the winter, you can go dog sledding, you can go skiing, you can go um, even hiking or snowshoeing or snowmobiling or ice fishing. And then at night, if you do get to see the Northern Lights, then it makes for a very
0: full, very special trip. (laughs) Yeah, that sounds amazing. It sounds insane, especially if you've got a lot of energy. I mean, you'd have to have a lot of energy to get there because it's probably... <laughs> it, where would you fly into, incidentally? Um,
1: so from the UK, you would, uh, you would fly to Canada either through um, the eastern part or through Vancouver or through uh, Calgary. And then you would take a short flight up north um, and then you would arrive in Whitehorse, which is where I live, where, where I am right now. Cool. Um, yeah so it's the capital and that's where most flights arrive and then you can either rent a car and set off uh, driving on your own or uh, you can book through a tour operator who can drive you if you're more comfortable
0: right no worries that's another question do you need a car to get around because it's so big or other yeah trans- how's your transport
1: well, you have options. I would say the most common um, thing that people do is rent a car when they get here, um, just because driving here is part of the experience itself. So um, people are always amazed how, as soon as you set off on a highway, there's no traffic. It's basically all the roads here are scenic and, it's, and the, the drive is part of the experience. You can go at your own pace. And uh, you can stop uh, as many times as you like to take pictures and, of course, hope to see wildlife. And then when you do get to see wildlife, you can stop and, and you know, you can uh, enjoy the experience as well. But um, I know some people, especially in the winter, might not be 100% comfortable driving on, on winter roads uh, on their own. And uh, even in the summer, too, some people prefer uh, to go through a tour operator. And there are a few options um, of companies who can just, uh, you know, make you have a a stress-free, hassle-free experience. Um, And they will also stop on the side of the road if there is wildlife. So (laughs) you won't miss anything. (laughs) (laughs) Oh,
0: brilliant. Brilliant. Win-win. And do most people base themselves, is that where most of the hotels are in the city, in the capital?
1: this is where the most options are, I would say. Um, So the capital is about 24,000 people. So it's a fairly small city compared to, you know, UK um, standards. (laughs) Um, But for us, it it is the the biggest uh, city in in the area. So you have all amenities. This is where the most hotels are based. Um, But you do have hotels and other um, accommodation available all over the Yukon. So if you, for example, if you were looking for more um, like a lodge experience, um, there are many that are scattered all throughout the territory. So you could drive uh, anywhere from 20 minutes from Whitehorse up to, you know, hours from Whitehorse and find yourself a really nice little uh, remote lodge. And that's more of a I would say like a more of a nature-based experience. Mm -hmm. Um, In the winter too, if you're based in a lodge, the benefit is that uh, you do have the opportunity to see the Northern Lights right from your room if they are out. And sometimes in some of the lodges, the, uh, they will have a system to uh, wake each other up. Uh, if someone sees the lights, then they will wake each other up. So that way you're, you're not missing the, the show. <laughs>
0: Amazing. Oh, man, that's so cool. That's so cool. That's just one of live ambitions, actually. <laughs> yeah. So and um, obviously, uh, Yukon in general is famous for the gold rush as well. So um, you're celebrating
1: 125 years, is that correct? Yes, that's correct. So 125 years ago, um, there was three men and one woman uh, from the Yukon who found the first gold nugget. (laughs) And that was the start of the famous Klondike Gold Rush. Um, So it spanned over about three years. It was fairly short. But yeah, uh, about 100,000 people, uh, 100,000 stampeders made their way up north through the mountains, uh, paddled the rivers all the way up to Dawson City, where they established their um, uh, little booming town. Over over a few months, really, it was created. And that has changed the the course of Yukon history, for sure. Um there was, there was a local First Nation living there for thousands of years before the Klondike Gold Rush as well. So their lifestyle was heavily impacted by the Klondike Gold Rush. And um, But of course, you also hear so many great stories of, of stamp eaters and people who were made famously rich in the Gold Rush and other people who tried, but unfortunately didn't make it uh, rich and had to go back home um so yeah it's a it's a very interesting part of our history that we're celebrating this year yeah
0: 125 years and um there were women i mean obviously you'd think yes. it's going to be a kind of very masculine uh, <laughs> like very testosterone kind of heavy thing but women yeah. got involved as well didn't they Yes, for sure. I think
1: we're just starting more recently to recognize how many women were a part of that story as well. And um, not all of them were mining like the men were, Um, but a lot of them established businesses and they were literally like uh, entrepreneurs all of a sudden and they made money offering services that were necessary for for miners. And uh, women were very important part of the gold rush um, actually, it is believed it, there was a woman present at the discovery of of the first nugget, um, Kate Carmack, who was a woman of the area. She was present with these three other men and um, she was just recently in 2019, um, she was recently recognized by, by the Canadian Mining Hall of Fame. Um, as, you know, uh, um, as being present. Uh, Until then, she was never a part of the the official story of the discovery. One of my favorite stories of of, uh, strong, independent women of the gold rush is the story of Lucille Hunter, who was an American woman. Um, She came up here through the sticking roots with her husband, uh, pregnant at 19 years old. So it's, very very i find it very impressive when you compare it to uh today's you know our lifestyle today but uh back in the day she she hiked up and then she as soon as they crossed the this the keen route they arrived in teslin lake where she gave birth to her daughter who she named teslin after the lake and then they just set off by dog sled uh, all the way up to Dawson in the middle of the winter um, and, and it's an incredible story that I find so inspiring and this lady um, she stayed in the Yukon for the rest of her life so I I find her story very inspiring.
0: That is beautiful, that is really lovely actually and then, then the next generations and what a story to tell. That's yeah for sure. Really really nice. So in the city and um, I'm kind of interested if people could do a bit of the cultural side and go off to the wilderness, you know, if they're going to come for a week, 10 days, or do you kind of do it as, how do, how do most visitors kind of plan? If they're coming in the summer, obviously it's going to be different from the winter, because they might just go skiing. Can other museums and can people are there festivals that people can enjoy in the summer? Yes, absolutely.
1: Um, you don't have to spend your whole trip in the woods. If you don't want to, you can. Most people would spend a few days either at the start or at the end of their trip, or both in the in the city. Um, and the city is quite vibrant. There's a lot to do. There's a lot of cultural centers, museums that will tell you about the history of the Yukon. And um, the cultural centers, of course, uh, you can learn more about. Uh, the First Nations of the area. We have 14 First Nations in Yukon uh, who speak eight language uh, groups, eight different language groups. So it's quite rich. There's a lot to to learn from it. Um, And of course, you know, the cultural the um, musical scene is also very rich. So there's a lot of local musicians. You can catch a live performance in the bar. and uh, yeah, in the summer it's very very busy. It's, it's um, there's also the Adaka festival where you can learn more about the First Nations. That's um, that's in July. Um, and yeah, there's a there's a few little music festivals throughout the summer as well.
0: Oh, lovely. Do a lot of Canadians come there, or Americans come there on holiday as well, or are you? Yes. Hmm.
1: Yes, Canadians, Americans are probably uh, the most um, the the big, they come in the biggest number, sorry. Um, And then of course, there's the overseas visitors as well, like Germans and British people and Australians. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Well, we love coming to Canada skiing.
1: (laughs) Yeah, for sure. Um, Skiing here is a, I would say it's a different experience than it is in the rest of Canada. Uh, Although just as uh, wonderful but uh, here in Yukon we do have a small ski resort, Um, however there's way more trails for cross country skiing and most of all if you're an advanced skier, if you're really into uh, Skiing. Uh, a lot of people here do backcountry skiing. So you just set off on your own with your own gear, safety gear, uh, with hopefully with your friends, because it's safer that way. And then uh, you skin up the mountain and then you take off your skin and you you ski down. And that's that's kind of that's the special experience here is you're in the middle of the mountains, uh completely free and completely uh on your own with your friends
0: <laughs> that sounds amazing goodness um is it other bears with <laughs> the in the snow in the, up the mountain have just going to be a little careful
1: yeah um hopefully in the winter the bears are usually hibernating so it's not too common to encounter them although it's always possible to see one any times during the year, sometimes you have the odd bear that wakes up in the winter. So you you always have to be careful, but I would say in the winter, it's less of a concern usually.
0: Good, lovely, (laughs) fab. And last question, because I know that I've just got you for half an hour. If somebody was gonna bring back one souvenir from, from the Yukon region, what would you recommend? Or where would you suggest that they go? If there was one unmissable experience or, and something to buy or something that just really represents? Well,
1: my favorite thing to do, well, there's kind of two parts in your question, so I will try to address both. Um, For more of the the memory part, the the special experience part, um, I would say my favorite area in the Yukon is definitely the Kwani National Park, uh, which we talked about a bit earlier um it's just so beautiful it's the largest ice field outside of the poles uh, on the planet so there's thousands of glaciers some of them most of them don't even have names because there are so many um and it's just so so beautiful actually that's what i did last year for my vacation Uh, i just went off and spent 10 days in in the National Park, (laughs) uh, just two hours away from my house, but I felt like I was on a different planet, you know, Um, there you can set off on a hike or a multi day hike or spend some time uh, learning about the first nation of the area uh, that was obviously like they were there long before the park was a national park so I would say that's for me this is the number one um, not to miss experience and um, if you want to know more about a souvenir or something you can buy at a store I would definitely recommend recommend uh, checking out one of the uh, First Nations um, arts and crafts store and buy yourself something really authentic, uh, handmade and support one of the local artists. Um, that would be my my personal uh, preference. So yeah.
0: Oh, cool. I like the fact that they still exist as well. They've been oh the yeah being passed down. So that's Oh cool. yeah.
1: yeah they still exist and it's still um the the arts and crafts are still very much traditional and very authentic here which is uh
0: yeah it's nice brilliant oh well it just sounds it sounds like a really 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 interesting place with so much history
1: yeah it is um i could talk i could go on and on about you know (laughs) the rich history and all those stories but Um, I think I'm going to leave it at that for today Um, and yeah I I hope our you know our borders open soon so we can welcome uh, visitors soon again
0: for sure yeah we'll be dying to come I tell I can I can promise you that Thank you, thank you, thank you for just kind of keeping us in the loop, and um, you've just inspired everybody, thank you. No
1: problem, thank you for the opportunity, and if people are interested, they can always visit our website, uh, travelyukon.com,
0: and uh, there's a lot of inspiration there as well. Brilliant, and I'm going to go look at those glaciers, because they sound just fantastic. Oh yeah, I recommend it. (laughs) That's all folks, thanks for tuning in.